I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Good afternoon to you. It is the 29th of October. This is the COV from AusBiz. Great to have you here along with us. I'm Nadine Blaney. Hey, Scotty, David Scott's here with me. How was the day today for you, Scotty? It was great. It was, uh, we spent a lot of time on air with yourself and we got to talk about Pinterest and the like, so uh, <laughs> it was fantastic. He doesn't use Pinterest, if anyone was wondering. Okay, uh, the ASX 200 tumbled. It was a negative session out there, but it did close off the lows of the session. All sectors though in negative territory. I know that we were trying to be a bit optimistic at the end of the session, but the reality is the seed was sown overseas and the selling continued here in Australia today. Yes, uh, it's really not that surprising to see the scale of the sell that we saw overnight. The, the biggest surprise for me is that I know it's taken this long to go and come about. So we don't have any fresh stimulus spending coming through when it comes to the fiscal side of things. Coronavirus is out of control uh, in Europe and the United States. Now there's no doubt about that. I wonder how bad it could go and get potentially with the hospitalizations and the like. Um, and you've got uh, monetary policies and they've got the flat to the floor. But uh, apart from that, I know it's very difficult to be very you know, optimistic about what's going on. Uh, we need a vaccine or at least an effective treatment when it comes to that virus, ASAP. Yeah. But the coronavirus situation much better here in Australia. Uh, so that perhaps is why we're seeing some relative outperformance in the local market. But when you saw some of the companies that pushed higher, interesting, Fisher & Paykel up by 1.6%. We get ResMed results out in the US tonight. We'll be speaking with Mick Farrell, the MD, tomorrow morning. ResMed though down by about 1.5%. Kohl's up in the wake of its quarterly that was, result, that was announced yesterday. And in the building materials space, Adbry, Borel, and James Hardy, all with exposure to that US housing market, doing quite well, I, excuse me, not Adbride, but you know, James Hardy, and it's the housing market in the US. I was speaking with Brian Nick from Nuveen to start the day, seems like a long time ago now, but he was saying, boy, he wished that the housing market accounted for more of the GDP in the US because, uh, you know, it is really the one standout sector when it comes to growth still. Oh, absolutely. It's had a, a raucous uh, no, rally and uh, quite a surprising rally, but uh, no, that K-shaped uh, rebound that we're seeing though the have and the have nots and it's, it's certainly playing out there i would caution though when it comes to you know wanting to go and have housing the biggest share of your economy because uh, yeah. i can tell you there was a period it was about uh, yeah. 13 years ago and it led to the gfc so we care for what you wish for absolutely um well let's just touch upon the fact that we will have some pretty big earnings out in the u.s i mentioned resmed but that's uh doesn't really add up to apple facebook google amazon does it? I mean, Twitter as well is coming out tonight. So it is likely going to be a, a session really dictated by talk around those companies. But I got to say that even if those companies shot the lights out, you know, the environment right now is a tough one to go out and release earnings. Yes, it's uh, those growth companies. Uh, I know that longer dated yields have definitely come off, which is helping to go and 
valuations a little bit, but uh, you've got to think that the rich pricing, uh, and you'd almost say almost price perfection, uh, if these companies don't go and, uh, and hit the mark, uh, they'll get savage. We saw overnight, uh, and not even they were spared uh, the sell-off. No, the worst performing sector was the tech sector. So I wonder what will happen. We've seen a bit of buying back in those names today uh, in after hours trade ahead of those results. But you know, just given the sheer size of those companies, uh, we get a, a series of misses or a series of beats, and it's going to be very influential on our local market tomorrow. Uh, you know, you've got to think, you no, know, the tech sector here and buy now, pay later, which is, of course, our hot sector. And we did a really, I did a really, I thought, interesting. No, we, it was Andrew and I. I couldn't remember where you were, Andrew Keegan. Um, Off so, budging somewhere, no doubt. <laughs> yeah. No, we talked to um, Glenn from Wedbush and Partners in the US. He gave us what he was expecting ahead of those megatech reports, so a bit of a cheat sheet as to where the focus will be, what you should be looking at. And he gave, that, he gave us his favorites heading into uh, those results. So if you'd like to just spend a few minutes listening to that, you can access that via our um, app or our website. Uh, he gives some real clarity in, in where he sees the major thematics coming through and where they could potentially disappoint. I'm looking at you, Facebook. Okay, um, look, today we had the banks in focus. They came under pressure as a sector. The worst performer, though, was ANZ. ANZ with its half yearly result down by just over 2%. And in fact, Westpac kind of caught up to those losses by the end of the session. Uh, we spoke with Shane Elliott. He is a CEO at ANZ, said that it's equally invigorating and tiring to be running a big bank through this pandemic. But the question is really when it comes to these banks, and we put it to him, where is the growth going to come from? And that's the question. And for a long period of time, it was uh, looking overseas for that growth. But uh, you have to question now whether that's a good strategy given the, uh, the checkered uh, past history when it comes to uh, banks making acquisitions abroad. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's difficult to see where it's going to go and come from. Uh, demands, you know, clearly interest rates, I don't think are the issue when it comes to you know, borrowing the like. Demand has been absolutely tapped out. Monetary policy has brought forward so much demand. Economic conditions are weak. Uh, that is going to be like the multi-billion dollar question. Where is the growth going to come from? I honestly can't go and see it at this stage. He says that uh, the FY20 results were not an opportunity to take out the trash. Lots of people were saying that this earnings season would be the kitchen sink. Uh, if you'd like to listen to that interview with Shane Elliott, you can do so via the show notes. ANZ Bank closing down as I mentioned, over 2%. Why don't we talk, now that we're on stock specifics, um, about our stock of the day? I mean, there were a lot of company stories out today. Seth 32, Meyer, chairman resigning ahead of the AGM, quarterlies coming from Newcrest. Um, we had that short selling attack coming through in terms of Seek and an update from JB Hi-Fi. Uh, one of the brokers weighing in saying that, look, the sales were going well so far, but that the the trajectory was just looking pretty weak for JB Hi-Fi and it came under selling pressure today. But the stock of the day, back to that, was Prosper Group. PGL is the ticker code. We spoke with Carl Capulinga and also Chris McDonald from Morgan's Financial. Let's hear what they had to say about Prosper. Uh, this is a business that is very well run. Uh, I think it's on a little bit of a recovery and it is benefiting from a lot of the government initiatives around lines of credit, et cetera, with small business. Uh, uh, the government's also providing a backstop for bad loans yep. where they will actually meet half of the loss. So that really plays into Prosper's game. Look, it is a risky sort of space, if you like. This is the marginal end, 
but they do recycle these uh, loans quite quickly. That's probably good business and a good price there, particularly in the low okay. 70s, I think you can buy this, but right. not for the risk averse investor, it is gonna be volatile. Because we can see it's, a, it's an absolute flat line yeah. uh, since, the, uh, since the, the March low, which is not a great sign. And you can see before the March low is actually trending lower anyway. So pre-COVID, it wasn't doing so well. Uh, Post-COVID, clearly, uh, the market's not seeing a lot of upside uh, and putting those two together, um, I, I can't see a lot of interest in the stock at the moment. So based on, on the fact that it's a flatline trend, I can't see a lot going on in the fundamentals to make me want to buy it. There's not a, there isn't a dividend yield there to keep me going in the meantime. Um, it's a pass from me. So that was Carl Capulinga from Think Markets. Finishing those thoughts on Prosper, it is not going into the portfolio. Um, Chris McDonald, as you heard, liking it around these levels, but Carl saying nap. Okay, so we have made it this far into the podcast, Scuddy, without talking about what? Uh, the US election. Oh, yes. How? How did we get this far? I'm trying to go and block it out of my mind. <laughs> All right, so that clearly will be dictating investor sentiment along with US earnings, along with the COVID case count. You know, what else can we say? There's plenty of uncertainty, plenty of volatility. Polls are often and have been proven wrong. Trump seems to be making up a bit of ground. The Senate is uh, perhaps the most important question. If we do see the Biden presidency come to fruition, look, we are all peddling in the background, getting ready for that big day. Uh, I guess really it comes down to um, just the day, you know, just how it unfolds if we see an early call or if we have a really prolonged, drawn out, um, you know, count of the vote. Yes, it's, uh, it's incredibly uncertain. And you can see the ebbs and the flows in market sentiment. You know, this time last week, it was all the rage about the, uh, the, blue, sweat, the blue wave and you know, Democrats taking it all. But uh, against all odds, and I've written about this previously, you know, a couple of my views, uh, usually when economic conditions are absolutely lousy, the incumbent gets tossed out. And uh, that's what I was going on. But looking at the other uh, tightening the polls, it's not unusual to go and see that ahead of a race. And I know, you know treat every poll with a grain of salt. Uh, but I wonder whether a repeat performance of 20, uh, 2016 may be installed because it just has that feel about it. Uh, Trump is energized. You can see that, you know, the way it's, you know, he's campaigning the last week. Haven't seen much of Joe Biden. Be very interesting to see whether any result uh, is known on the day. Thankfully, when it comes to that pre-polling and uh, the mail-in voting, assuming that I uh, know there's no contestants there, and that's a big if, uh, when, particularly in, uh, in Florida, we'll get a really quick indication as to those voting patterns uh, know there. So likely to see a lot more uh, Democrats coming through, but who knows? I, mm. guess, I suspect that it could be, you know, weeks. Regardless, yeah. no matter what the outcome, there will be companies that will benefit, companies that may suffer. And uh, we spoke with the head of research at Fat Profits, Greg Smith. He gave us a bit of a shopping list for a potential global contraction. He says, look, a win by either Trump or Biden could be good for markets, it's really the increasing COVID cases and the lack of the stimulus package in the US that will ensure uncertainty and volatility continuing. And I, I don't even think we bother talking about any headlines that coming uh, out on the, that stimulus front. We will get stimulus, the mm -hmm. size of which will be determined after the election. So pending home sales tonight, we get jobless claims tonight, we get a whole raft of data out in Europe and the ECB, because one thing 
that everybody agrees upon, even David Sikulski from Carrara, who doesn't necessarily agree with the levels that the market is at and the valuations of some companies, as long as there is stimulus, as long as liquidity is being pumped into the system, it's still looking good for risky assets, particularly equities. It's only uh, pre- preventing sell-offs, but I do question whether it's going to go and be able to go and drive asset valuations higher. Uh, I know returns, like you know, uh, income is is very hard to find at the moment. But boy, geez, it's uh, it's it's very difficult for central banks now. It's in the price that there's going to be permanent stimulus now. So I think that you're going to see something else come through, and that's fundamentals and that's earnings. So that's the thing that you know, can only go on for so long until I believe that the you know, markets will come under pressure again. And the ECB meets tonight. I think that was my point there. So pending home sales in the U.S. tomorrow here in Australia, producer price index, Australian private sector credit, not likely to be market moving, as I feel like we've been saying a lot lately. Of course, we're building up to that RBA meeting next week. I'll be speaking with Elise Vivek from San Fran early in the morning to start. Carl Tenenbaum, Executive Vice President, Chief Economist of Northern Trust. Mick Farrell, as I mentioned, the MD of ResMed. And we'll be talking oil and gas with Saul Kavanick. We will at uh, 1120, Scotty. And I know you've got a view on energy prices right now, not perhaps from an analyst's perspective, but more, more the layman's perspective on what's going on with OPEC. Yeah, hopefully a common sense perspective. I'm not sure many people would say that about me, but I uh, know, look, I, you're putting the mass together. You look at what's going on around the world. People are going to be hunkering down in their homes, trying to go and protect themselves from the coronavirus uh, in the United States and Europe for months and months and months. Demand for, uh, for crude oil and other energy products to, to a certain point, obviously it's all different, but particularly crude is going to be so weak. I just wonder, from a, you know, a sensible perspective, OPEC is planning to go and increase uh, production levels back to another further two million barrels a day from the uh, start of next year. Uh, if that cartel and, uh, and its allies such as Russia go through that, uh, they deserve everything they get when it comes to the, sh- the price of crude. It will absolutely plunge. So I wouldn't be surprised to go and see uh, that group walk back that plan. And even if we get really bad outcomes, we get full-scale lockdowns in those uh, no Northern Hemisphere uh, big users uh, to go and see maybe a pullback when it comes to production levels again. So uh, if you'd like to sign up for the COB, you can get Scotty's View Daily. Uh, as far as AGMs, nothing huge on the agenda tomorrow, but we'll keep you abreast of what happens. Looking forward to it. It's a Friday. It's The Last Call Day, which is our new show. It goes to air at about 4 p.m. Eastern. Look, it's a wrap of the week with drink in hand. Just very relaxed. Um, we sort of hope you join us for that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it already. And uh, please remind me if I'm going too long on the sports section. <laughs> Tom Waterhouse is actually in uh, tomorrow, fittingly ahead of, of Melbourne Cup. Get a couple of tips there. Looking <laughs> forward to it. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow morning.